Hey, this is uh, magic artist Eric Deschamps, and you're listening to Seven Land Hand. It's Seven Land Hand! Woo-hoo! Matt and I made up a crap game called The Damson's Tale. It was a drupacious and plummy game. You played the part of a plucky young damson growing on a tree and then becoming dessert for a toothless farmer's wife. But it was still crap. Fortunately, this year, Red Genie Games are kickstarting the damsel's tale. It's not as drupacious, but it has got a dragon, a knight, screaming, and treasure. Speaking of which, this is Seven Land Hand. The Damsel's Tale is an asymmetrical card-playing fantasy game from Red Genie Games. It's been kickstarted in April this year, 2019, and is a two-player game, although more on that later, Mm. uh, with 10 to 15 minutes to terrorise baby dragons and promise your damsel you'll be home in time for dinner. The Damsel's Tale was designed by mathematical madmen Paul Nicholas, Josh Sommerfeld, and Alex Winter. The artwork has been beautifully produced by Sinitra Thompson. The game's elevator pitch reads as follows. The Damsel's Tale is an asymmetrical strategy game for two players. One player will use their hand of cards to control Ivan the Knight as he tries to sneak up through the lair to the treasure pile without the Mother Dragon seeing him. The other player controls the dragon pup Cinder and will use their cards to try and make sure Ivan is in the open when the Mother Dragon reaches the lair. That's bad news Mm. for Ivan if that happens. One disclaimer before we proceed, Alex Winter and friends are not actually mad. However, when we were organising today's interview, Alex called us, and in breathy tones down the phone, he did say, Winter is coming. I wonder what he meant by that. No idea. No, I don't know. Anyway, uh, what does it all mean to gamers? Not Alex's comment, for example, but the whole game. A man who's been rescuing damsels since before dragons started pinching them. It's Sir Matthew Lancefairbit McHale. I'm a bit puzzled as to why you didn't mention our our alternate variant for this game, uh, the Danza's Tale. The Danza, yeah, the spin-off of you know who's the boss, Tony, Tony Danza. Mm. Mm. Who is the boss? Maybe it's the Mother Dragon. Uh, but yeah, that didn't go very far no, at all, was no. it? Because watch that. There's an episode of Community, and they just explained that. Um, <laughs> I just couldn't oh. get over Alyssa Milano. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that's as far as I could get. We were young and impressionable when that show was out. <laughs> Anyway, what Geek Guinness has been uh, filling the last month for you, gentlemen? Well, uh, a couple of things, a couple of important things, really. The first and foremost was that I managed to get to a little show uh, during the Perth Fringe Festival called Improv (laughs) D&D. Okay, yeah. (laughs) I was waiting for a dramatic pause. Oh, okay. Yeah, Improv D&D. Yeah. um, And I enjoyed the crap out of it. It was great. Uh, One of my players of of the, the Good Games Guild is actually one of the actors in the show oh, well, oh okay i yeah. thought i sort of thought i saw a promo for this but was it run was it one by com- with comedians running it in a sense yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, it's the bogan shakespeare troupe oh, okay because I, uh, I saw an advert and i think there was a girl pulling a i'm being cheeky and funny face how <laughs> australian comedians in inverted commas do <laughs> and i thought i'm out that's not going to be funny. <laughs> I don't think it was that one. Oh, okay, but, good. Uh, <laughs> this one was, was actually really, good. It was really entertaining. It was All a right. great night. There was lots of lots of alcoholic beverages involved. Uh, sitting in a in a pub. 
And this is just on the stage. Yeah, that's it. And then they had, if you've ever seen, you know, Whose Line Is It Anyway and stuff like that, it's very that in tone. Yeah. Uh, it was very light, lots of music playing throughout. Did they uh, know the rules? Did they play it properly? They played. Or were you, or were you sitting there going, <laughs> amateurs? <laughs> what is great is it's you can't bullshit a room of people who know how to yeah. play D&D. That's what I was thinking. You may, if they just thought, oh, we'll just swan in there and make fun of it, the, the room is going to turn on them, right? I think they managed to circumvent invent that by making sure the audience was actually involved oh, okay. so yeah. it was a lot of fun there was proper dice rolling there was great story there was uh the characterization now was really good uh mm. they'd done something that they hadn't done previously which was they actually carried their characters over the five nights of the show that they were doing normally yeah. that you know it's a oh, one so they, and done they so grew they, over they the, did over they the character advanced cool and uh which made it i think extra special we went on the last night so you know we missed all the stuff before <laughs> but you didn't have to see all the original all the stuff that came before because uh, you know, it didn't matter it was a great night's entertainment yeah. uh it was very reminiscent of what was the Big hoo-ha that used to operate at the Brisbane Hotel, uh, which is Lazy Susan's Comedy Lounge. It was an improv show, which was really, really good. So it sort of spawned out of that, in a sense. Uh, Well worth it. And it's not a show that's going to go away. It will be around Perth regularly. touring with it. So it's not just a fringe show. It's not just a fringe show. No, no. Okay, cool. So, yeah, that was really exciting. um, Exciting if you're in Perth. So the four or five people that live in Perth can uh, all go and see that. Well, it was packed. Like it was literally yeah. uh, French shows are pretty popular, but this was like not a there was there were standing people, you know, because there wasn't enough seats. So oh, good stuff. You know, there were seven seats and then there was some standing people. They used to laugh at our geek culture, but <laughs> we're here to stay. No, we're here show to them yeah. clenched <laughs> fist ahoy. So that was what I got to see physically, and it was wonderful seeing it physically like mm. that. But the other thing I've been doing is, of course, watching Star, 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 Star Trek. Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where um, are you up to now? Where I'm up to? Uh, I sort of I jumped a little bit. I jumped from can't skip episodes. Oh no, I'm jumping between <laughs> between the actual story arc. So uh, I was watching the classic series, the original series. The original series. Yeah, yeah. I've now jumped to a bit of um, Voyager. Yeah, you, you're starting them from the beginning, though, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Okay. I'm not skipping episodes, yeah. but I'm no, yeah, you can jumping do that, between I think. the the yeah, whatever they vessels. call that, the different vessels yeah, of Star Trek. Yeah. So uh, the one I haven't studied. So I've started. I've started DS9. I've started Voyager. I've started even uh, Next Enterprise. Gen? Oh, went back oh, and yeah, watched yeah. Enterprise. Yeah. But I haven't started. The latest Next one Gen. on Netflix is apparently amazing. Discovery's fantastic. Yeah, I want to. I want to know what Next Gen's like. I know I missed the first couple of seasons and then mm. got into it. And by the time it was finishing up, the first couple of seasons looked a bit naff. Um, but can I, can I share something with you? Yeah. It all looks bloody naff. <laughs> when you imagine running it through Netflix and through HD quality TVs and stuff like that, it all looks pretty, pretty horrible. Right. Uh, but still, you quite enjoy the stories. Yeah, I'm, I'm right into it, so I'm going to keep going. But oh. that's not all that's come out on Netflix. And I think that uh, I, I think I might have mentioned it last time we were around that it yeah. was coming out. But uh, I didn't know whether you were going to get into it to actually watch it. And that was uh, the Umbrella Academy. Yeah, you're, st- you're stealing my thunder. That's, that's I don't want to steal. On, that's on why my I'm, list. That's why I'm kind of waiting for you to jump in yeah, on it. Because look, we we did start watching that, and or actually we still are. If we can wrap this up in time. The wife's waiting at the house. Oh, and I we're going to watch another it. episode. Yeah. I um, finished it in three days. You, you finished in three days? Yeah, yeah. Oh, All ten episodes. Yeah. Hang on. The great news is that it's um, 
actually it's been renewed. So it, it's been what? Well, look, it seems like it's going to be renewed to get a second season. Yeah, but uh, what did you think of it? Well, look, I, I, uh, first couple of episodes, it got to a stage where we we're thinking this is a little bit too try hard. The the um the, the sort of the druggy brother. Mm, yeah, we're going. Oh, he's just pushing it. He's trying to be funky and and fun and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's about season episode five. I mean. Uh, something cool happens, no spoilers. Yeah. And it all turns it up and it goes, turns it up a few notches and you, and you can be a little bit more invested. So I think you have to give it a bit of time. Um, For sure. And then it's kind of, it's kind of fun. I, I really think I might actually like it. The soundtrack <laughs> for this show is... Yes. Fucking amazing. It is. How good is it? it They're is dropping in brilliant. songs that you know. Yeah. Like they did um, Radiohead uh, exit music for a film uh, at just the right time. I think that was in one of the episodes we might have seen last night, but we yeah. watched a lot of them last night. And I love that song. And it was just, it was perfect. It was written, I think, for X Music for Romeo and Juliet. You know, yeah. that terrible the thing that Baz came out. In the Baz one, the Baz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't, know if, I don't know if it was in the credits for that or not. But um, it, the, when you hear that, you go, oh, this is a Romeo and Juliet song. But it fit, fits the moment and it's just, yeah, yeah bang There's on. There's a lot of Mary J. Blythe music in it. She's actually one of the... Um, one of the actors, Queen Latifah, is is in the, one of the one of the actors. Uh, I'm fairly certain it's Mary J. Blige. Ooh, <laughs> well, to, all right, well, to get, well, it could be both. I'm, yeah, <laughs> to Google, but uh, no, I was immediately you, I, the I'm first episode. Now. I think you could be right. me. Uh, it oh, was you were quirky. in from the first episode. Yeah, I, I really, really was. Oh, okay, and it was that sequence. I'm not this risen a spoiler because it's in the ads where there's a bit of a dance happening and the music playing over that and it was that whole like oh yeah that the whole shot of the whole whole building you know where oh. they cut away uh that was really good but it's mary jelly Blythe. yeah yeah <laughs> hey you mean i'm right yeah you, you were right yeah <laughs> queen latifah's coming up in a in a yeah, in season two <laughs> i sure i saw may her may name on that <laughs> anyway um so what i was gonna say then was it was really reminiscent of uh, the Watchmen in sort of tone. The Watchmen was very dull, dark. I was going to say dull, but was very, very uh, dense and heavy. And yeah, it sort yeah. of contained those quirky characters that weren't your stand-up superheroes in that. So they, you know, they they had quite strange player powers. They weren't necessarily your Superman or your Wolverines and stuff like that. So that made them immediately interesting because they weren't your stereotypical. Yeah, yeah. Types. Was... Um, the other thing was that the uh, it felt kind of like oh. Uh, no, I'm not going to do it because this is, it is a bit of a spoiler. But the Bureau of Adjustment, yeah. I want to say, that shitty movie with Matt Damon. Right. It makes that a little one. bit more sense now, in a sense. You know, huh? It kind of makes that movie make sense. Wow. In a sense. I don't know how to bridge the gap there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a pretty deep one. So Anyway, Umbrella so. Academy is also, uh, well, originally a Dark Horse comic. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that came into a... Actually, I'll say in a good, good games, Cannington. Uh, mm. It all came in uh, to the store there, and um, yeah, we were drilling over that. And of course, the argument started where you know the TV <laughs> show is different to the comic book. Oh, of course, but that's cool. I'm really looking forward to getting to the Preacher. I got some of the the huge volume Preacher books because I love the Preach TV show, um, which I think is on Stan. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Absolutely love that. So I'm keen to get into the 
the comic book. After I've strangely, I think it's called Midnight Tales or something by Neil Gaiman, been reading that, and it's oh, the last one of the last stories was painful, and it was a Sandman story, I think. Yeah, right. And I hated it, and I've got two big volumes of Sandman because I thought, oh, I'm going to get right into that, and it just seemed like a bit of waffle. I was surprised for a Neil Gaiman story. What um, the Umbrella Academy had, well, I, I've never picked up the the book itself the trade back or anything like that no uh when i started what reading the walking dead when that first became trade paper i was i, I got i picked that up from book depository right okay and i saw i was looking for similar things and of course it comes up with recommendations if you like this you might also like okay. the umbrella academy wow, so i was looking leap, at that and i go mm, but i had Again. to pull the trigger on only one of them and of course zombies were the thing at the time so yeah i went for that but yeah, Umbrella Academy was under there, and there was another one that was popped up at the same time called Chew, uh, yeah, which is the story true. of that uh, detective who solves crimes by consuming his victims. Okay, the, consuming the victim. The victim. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I thought I'd like to see that. I've seen Chew, like the yeah. comic book, yeah. but not not read. So I'd like not to see it. that as a uh, picked up as a series. Maybe maybe there's some sort of trend going on here, and we will see. Like Saga might appear as well. Yeah, yeah. I think there are a bit of. I think they're going to get right stuck into all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, as much as we've been spoiled and we've loved having lots of Marvel stuff, it seems like it's getting sort of tired now. Like I'm not super excited for more Avengers mm-hmm. this year and all that sort of I stuff. I have not watched the last three releases. I'm not even. I've, I, I love Hellboy 1, love Hellboy 2. Mm. You know, Guillermo del Toro, fantastic. The Troll Market, love it. And now they're doing another one, and it's got the, um, you know, the, one, of the, one of the guys from Stranger Things is, the, is something Hopper. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's, he's playing the part of Hellboy. And it just looks like they're trying to copy that. Like, if they got Ron Perlman back, they'd be like, ooh, where are we going this time? I'm super excited. Oh, of course. But I, I just feel like, you know, I'm OG Hellboy movie, you know, movie guy, and I, I don't want to go. But anyway, <laughs> all of the Hellboy comics, my God, they're brilliant too. So um, so that that pretty much sums up Netflix in that at the moment, I think. Yeah. yeah. I've, been, I've been smashing out a lot of Arena. I know. I think this, um, this release has been has drawn me in. I've been to Grand Prix. I've been to a Grand Prix and played and, you know, totally had a mental breakdown by the time I finished because it was just so intense to <laughs> concentrate for that long. But I've been playing arena loads and just trying to get out so much magic. Today, I wrote solidly for half the day. I had a really good writing day. And then, and then okay. I thought, I'll put a bit of LSV on. And then there was there was a couple of videos there where he's with his girlfriend Gabby Sparts, and they were doing all these mad, uh, you know, like uh, drafts, you know, where uh, they would cover up the deck list, and one of them would cover their eyes, and they'd pick a card, and then the other person they'd swap, and then the other person would pick a card, and they took it back and forth, barrier and they, game style, and they and they and they drafted uh, a pool like that, and then they built this deck from it. It's hilarious, but you know, like even just watching other people play. Yeah, you know, we've been organizing our own um, stream. Uh, I've that never seen up. so much chat as on the Seven Land Hand yeah. you know, team page. It's that been is. like, yeah. Boy, yeah, we've got, we've got quite a few people coming on board. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so twitch.tv forward slash Seven Land Hand is going to be live with um, really good players pretty soon. We've just got to, Aaron's just got to get his NBN fixed up. <laughs> um, one of the other dudes, uh, Pat McGuckin, who won last year's GGMC. He'll be on there as soon as he, he's got the right NBN. His NBN's blowing out the water. He's got the right camera. He's got the right mic. He's all set. No, he's not. His computer can't handle it. So he's got to upgrade <laughs> his computer. Jesus. And then we've got, you know, Mishka's getting on board soon. Kian, 
goodness only knows what he's doing. He's having, <laughs> we've, got, we've got another guy from uh, Indianapolis on the line and another guy who was possibly, possibly going to get on board who was at Mythic number one on Arena, mm-hmm. which is as high as you can go. Uh, for constructed just last week, it fluctuates. You know, he didn't play for half a day; he was down to thirty. But you know, it's uh, the top eight Still, of that. You were there. You were there. The yeah. top eight of that are going to get uh, invited to the Mythic qualifiers. Yeah, so that's right. a that's a big deal. So, are we? Are you the next uh, Channel Fireball? Uh, yeah, we might be the Australian Channel Fireball. That's that's what we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, at the moment, me personally, I'm filler on that channel, and the, th- <laughs> the trouble is, I'm the only one that's producing content on Twitch. But Aaron's got some great um, draft plays on our YouTube channel, uh, which is nice. youtube.com forward slash seven line hand. So it's all, it's all coming together. We're going to be flying this year. We're going to have some fun new content. Even, it's going to be good. I'm not by any means a magic player. I'm not even a... Neither not, am I, Matt. But, but <laughs> I'm, I'm actually taking the time and I'm enjoying watching it. Yeah, it's uh, good to learn. It's, so. it's really good watching uh, good players play and you really feel like you learn and level up. And I really kind of enjoy just watching watching games roll out and seeing yeah. what happens it's good um yeah is, that's is it really i think yeah i think that's it for weekend gig i want to save all my magic talk for the um we'll have a big month coming up uh with the you know we'll have, we'll have a spoiler season yeah. and then a bit of uh our pre-release preparation podcast yeah. um, um, i am popping into uh the new league that's starting up for star wars legion so okay i'm throwing my hat in that's my new miniatures that's your new blood bowl at the moment yeah it's my new blood bowl for a bit yeah see how that goes uh, so some sort of foreskin joke related that's it. well i'm playing rebels so that's no, not very funny. i'm sure that'll be easy to pick a funny name yeah although you know I, I i missed like the dark helmets or the the i don't know flabby helmets you have to put you have to like um that. you have to put like red bull logos over it and you could be the red mm. bulls but you could yeah, just like, you know, have it. Oh, see, that's that's yeah. too clever. Yeah, I could do that. You could <laughs> use their logo, but just like hack out yeah. the, the letters and just spell rebels wrong. Watch out for the Red Bulls. With the D sort of rebels. crossed out. The, yeah. Rebels. Spell it, it rebels. Yeah. All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> Ideas, Nucleus. Uh, we'll do an advert right after this, and then mm. we'll get to talking about the damsel's tale. Ooh, let's do it. Bird. Win Carcassonne by commenting on the Facebook page for this show, episode 140 at facebook.com slash sevenlandhand. We'll be announcing the winner of last month's game, Dixit, later on in Neats and Twos. And every month, Good Games are offering our listeners a special offer on the game we review. This month, it will be Carcassonne. Slow, slow down, Matt. Just take, take it easy, Matt. <laughs> oh, but I'm so excited. Carcassonne's a Just classic game. It. it is I a classic it. game. If you haven't got it, now's the time to get it. While stocks last, Seven Land Hand listeners can get 10% off Carcassonne at every good game store outside of southern France. France? Yeah, exactly. Step outside your fortified walls, go to your nearest good game store and get 10% off a copy of Carcassonne by stating this one's password. The farmer is in the field. For all of March. The farmer is in the field. That's while stocks last, of course. Now on with the show. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, okay, so this week we are going to have a proper interview. Yes. Now, we haven't tried this for a while. Thanks, NBN. Um, <laughs> but we've, we've put our faith in the Australian Broadband Network. Mm. No, is that right? National, National Broadband, National Broadband Network. Network. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's it. Anyway, and uh, yeah, we've had a, uh, recorded a chat with Alex Winter, uh, designer and co-designer of um, The Damsel's Tale. Yeah, he's over in Melbourne, so the opposite side of the country. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's all credit to NBN held in there. 
for the chat you're about to hear. So we're going to learn a little bit about uh, his perspective and, and journey with the damsel's tale, and then uh, come back after that, and we'll uh, tell you how we went with it and how to play it and, and what yeah. it's all about. Uh, damsel's tale is coming out Kickstarter April 2019. We're about to hear all of that. Yeah, listen in right now. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the welcome to the pod, Alex Winter. Oh, sorry. You might want to check if you're actually recording because it's happened to me so many times. Uh, yeah, tell, yeah. We're totally professional play. now. No, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've got a, we've got a huge red button here. It's uh, it's it's got Matt's face on it, so I'm punching yeah, it all it. the time, and it's only on. It's only an on button. Okay. It's nothing else. Yeah, it's like it's the one we okay. use when whenever we did the Matt's quiz. It's like yeah, red oh, button God. that silences me. And it's amazing. It's still in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, yeah, thanks very much for coming on. Um, we're here to have a chat with you tonight about um, the damsel's tale and anything else in between that we can think of. Uh, if you're happy to uh, divulge, well, it's a bit late now. He's he's on, so he's, well, no, no he can't back out. Can't back out. So so this this game this game uh, the damsel's tale was originally released uh, as a tinderbox tales threesome. Is that is that right? Or it started to be yeah. released? What was the story behind that? Oh, the idea was that we um, we try and get three micro games, and we sort of um, price them at, at about twenty dollars each, mm. um, and then sell them as a pack because they'd all have a matching sort of uh, cover, a matching matching box. Yeah, there's a so theme. They, there was a theme uh, to them, wasn't there? Like they looked like old style yeah, yeah, books. Yeah. 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 Um, like one of the best bits of feedback we got about our previous game was that everyone loved the lore. They they loved the stories behind it. So. When we, we sort of thought about this idea, I had to convince Ben, and he ran with it. Well, I was lucky. But, um, yeah, the idea was that um, each one of these books actually has its own story in it, and yeah. you play the game based on that story. Yeah, I said that I said that in, the, um, in one of the videos that we did. I thought it was quite clever how you put the, um, the rules text first and then the story. There's so many games yeah. that I've seen where the, the story stuff is in the front and you kind of gloss over that and get to the rules text. And then you feel like mentally, you feel like you've already, you know, pushed that to one side and you don't go back to it. I thought it was quite good putting it at the back of the book because then you actually feel like what well, you want to engage with it a little bit more afterwards. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that's, that's, that was a big test. Like, do we want people to sort of just, you know, they buy a game, do they want to play the game straight away or do they want to read the book straight away? So we mm-hmm. went with playing the game straight away so hopefully they can just as you as you guys saw it was only about four four pages of rules yeah and then the rest of it's just a story yeah um it's kind of know. it's kind of like a nice relief when you do when you when you read through it and you go oh we're, we've done with the rules we're ready to rock now <laughs> and then there's the story that's one of the scary things too so one of the one of the stretch goals we want to have is to actually separate the two so have the rule book on maybe yeah. a page and then an actual little story in the in the little book like that. Yeah, oh, that's nice. So, so how did how did your team come together? You know, you, there's there's a few of you, isn't there? And this is a, a th- three of you uh, designing it, and uh, one artist. Oh, in this case, yeah, there were there were three designers technically. Yeah, mm-hmm. so this game was actually constructed during a game jam, probably about five or six years ago. Now it was a long time ago, but um, we we designed it in a micro game game jam. And um, it was a bit of a competitive one. And we had a bunch of people, a bunch of different groups doing their own games. And at the end, the judges played all the games and then they sort of came to a conclusion. And this game actually won. 
the theme was a bit different at the time, mm. um, and it wasn't hard to adapt it to this fantasy-based theme. Um, it, it was. It used to be in a monster in a closet trying to eat a kid. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the kid in the bed, the scared kid in the bed, became the scared dragon, yeah. and the monster became the sneaky knight. Um, but it, it has changed a bit since then. And in the game jam, I designed it with two other people, very talented people. And um, about probably about two years ago, those two aren't really doing game design anymore. And I just said, hey, guys, I really want to do this game because I absolutely love it. I still play it. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, I have I have worked on it. I've adjusted it. But can I pay you guys? We'll license it and, um, yeah, create it because it, 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 to me it's a fantastic game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and did you get like the the art? Like that's uh, Sunitra Thompson. Is, she, is is that a friend or is uh, is that someone that you commissioned in to do the art? I totally commissioned in. So yeah. I went searching around for the the sort of style I wanted. Hmm. So when we originally did the Tinderbox Tales games, each one has their own distinctive art style. So with um, the brigade, we had an artist who was just amazing at buildings. Yeah, as you've already seen, the Damsel's Tale has no buildings in it, so we couldn't <laughs> use him. Yet. Um, I had to go find someone else. And um, Sunitra, she just had this amazing way of using colour. She's actually a pin-up artist, so she's known for very different things. Yeah. And I sort of had to half convince her. I said, you know, I, re- I really want you to do this. Like, you know, I love your colour work. I love the dynamics that you put into your work. Um, please, please, please. And she's like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, I-, I know you'll be good. Just trust me. Just trust me. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, all right, I'll try it. And then she did it and, you know, it just blew me away. Yeah, and I think she, the best res- it, it sets work. the tone for the game because um, we were saying, like, it's not like a supremely tactical game for the, you know, the hardcore and it's not super simple either. And so it just sets that fun middle ground where there's there's that fanciful play. You know, it's very like uh, Dragon's Lair kind of thing. You know, we used a few grabs of the Dragon's Lair on something we did because it, it, it yeah. was reminiscent of that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a bit caricaturish and yeah. uh, like comic-y and yeah, it, it just it really captured the way I felt about the game. Like as, as you said, it's not hugely tactical, it's not hugely strategic, it's not super simple. You, you do have to think about what you're doing and you have to think about what your opponent's doing, but it's not you know one of the extremes. It's in that nice middle ground, and the artwork really drove it drove yes. that idea home. It is definitely a throwback to the. The, the brigade you mentioned, isn't it? So it's set in that that universe, in that world, yeah, isn't so it? Yeah, that's called the the vague world. Um, Tinderbox is a town in the vague world. Uh, they they have neighbours called Steel and Flint. Um, they neighbouring town, but um, the main character Ivan, he's actually one of the crew members from the brigade, and mm. he already had a little story written for him, a little probably about a five hundred word story. And it was sort of um, depicting he's part of a he's part of the noble faction. So he was a noble knight, but his family has sort of lost all their riches. So he's a bit raggedy. Um, okay. He doesn't have as much money as the other nobles, and you know he's a bit down on his luck. And he was hired in the damsel's tale to fetch this crown, which he hopes will restore his nobility and his riches back. <laughs> 
Wow, that's a really nice tie-in there. Uh, so you've got this this much larger game, and then within that game exists this little story. I think that's really interesting, the fact that you can uh, go play the main game, and then if you need a really light night's entertainment, you can grab uh, The Damsel's Tale. Night with a K. Night with a K. Alex, you saw me cop and heat off my eight-year-old daughter. That, come on, where's The Damsel? You called it The Damsel's Tale. Uh, she's not to be not to be found. We we even pulled the box box apart to have a look for some Easter eggs, but it's not there. <laughs> well, <laughs> you had to read the story, but yeah. um, <laughs> basically, the, the damsel, uh, the, the damsels, they're they're not like your weak sort of come and save me damsel. They're if you, yeah, I don't know how much of the story I should give away, but <laughs> um, I, I guess I I say spoiler alert, and then if you don't want to hear the story. Pause break now, but um, basically the damsels used to work with the dragon, so they would entice the knights in by saying, "Hey, help save me," and then let their dragons eat them. Ooh, and, <laughs> nice. it's like a si- siren damsel, yeah. Pay gold, so yeah. they get rich off it too. So they're not like your, you know, your standard weak damsels, but it's part of the story. And Ivan, before going on this quest, does research, and his research is to talk to. Madame Zazabella, which is another character from the brigade. Um, she has a caravan as one of the blocks. Um, and she used to be a damsel. So she's sort of educating him about dragons and, you know, fiery hot end here, pointy spiky bit here, don't go near those um, sort of thing. So he's, he's just trying to learn so he can achieve this mission. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll tell my daughter she needs to read the story and get off my back. Uh, it's, it's fine. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, it's, but so, so we don't have to worry about the damsel upgrade, but are there other upgrades that have happened between what we showed on the, as the prototype and the, um, and the finished copy that people will be um, getting as a Kickstarter? Um, ideally, we want to really hit every single stretch goal, but basically the first, um, I think, six or seven or eight stretch goals, whatever it is, uh, they all introduce a new character. So... As you guys played it, you have a six-card deck. Yeah. The new character, um, either a knight or a dragon, there's um, brother and sister dragons and there's just different knights. Um, there'll be two female knights and uh, two more male knights and then there's four other dragons. Um, they're both female and male dragons as well. But um, they add in a passive ability, so your knight comes with a passive ability and one card that you replace within that deck. So... Your yeah. uh, knight card number five might be replaced with the new knight's card number five, and then you just play with that deck again. And it really changes um, how you play or what you're trying to achieve while you play. Uh, so some knights, like, just crash through. They move really fast, and they make the dragon come out because they're so noisy and, um, and vicious sort of thing. But um, one of the knights is really tactical and sneaky and one of the knights is really scared and keeps hiding a lot. You know, it really changes your experience while you yeah. play. It's the character that's, that you're playing. You yeah, because really, really I thought that was an interesting design choice in the, the, the deck management system. You know, like you didn't go for uh, the usual sort of deck builder approach where you're intensifying a deck. Uh, but then, you know, having six cards and two out is sort of, then that sort of leads your opponent into quickly learning what cards you do have and sort of anticipating what your move might be. So there's a bit more back and forth as opposed to just being caught caught uh, by surprise. That's right. And, and you know what? It's a game that you really get better at the more you play because you, you will go, you know, he really needs to run six spots here. Mm. If he has the double run move, is he going to play that now 
or does he need to increase the panic more? Um, oh, I guess he does need to increase the panic more because otherwise he'll only move four spots. So you sort of, you know, you work out what they can and can't play and you get better at it. I actually had to start outsource playtesting because I kept winning too much yeah. because I knew the cards too, <laughs> yeah. too well. People start reading the cards and if they haven't played or haven't played as much as me, I know exactly what they were going to do. But, um, I mean, that's that's part of the head games in it too, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of leads into my question about um, the during the playtesting process, how did you find, was the dragon very dominant for a certain amount of time until you made changes to the night or was it continually, continual play and refine? Well, did you find, did you um, find it was easier to win with, as the dragon over the night? The dragon did tend to win more often and... At the time, like, I really didn't mind that that happened. Like, it gave people a challenge. Like, anyone that yeah. went the night, they lost. And then they went, oh, no, I want to try again. I did something wrong. You know, it's, and it's like a 10 to, you know, 5 to 15-minute game. Yeah. You know, you, in the first five minutes, or you could, it could take 15 minutes to lose. But every time that people were like, oh, I want to try. I want to try again. I want to try again. And then they'd swap. They're like, oh, well. You know, you've had a few turns of dragon. Can I can I be the knight? And then they'd want to be the knight a few times. So I didn't mind that it was a bit harder to play the knight, but um, the sort of gap between winning and losing was um, was a bit too much. So we did change uh, a couple of cards more recently to sort of make that gap a bit smaller. So it's still cool. sort of fifty five forty five yeah. uh, in favor of the dragon, but um, again, I, I sort of like that. Yeah, but like you said, the, the new characters as well are going to keep everybody on their toes as well, aren't they? So that'll be that'll be cool too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sounds like it. it well, it becomes a bit more of a a, um, a a pride thing to try and you know beat the dragon. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It becomes a victory. Yeah. Yeah, so you got a a big year ahead as a Kickstarter. Uh, you know, with with the Kickstarter coming up, did you? Think about doing, you know, just for a bit of an insight into why people choose Kickstarter over a formal publishing uh, line. Um, any, you got any insights on that that you could share with people? In Australia, there's only about two or three publishers of, of board games. And um, in reality, they're really not going to take that many submissions. They might yeah. publish maybe one or two outside games other than ones that they do themselves. Um, so uh it's it's pretty hard just to sort of publish a game yourself uh pay for the thousand copies and then you know get it oh sorry i've sort of gone on two tracks here um so first of all publishers are really hard to to come by in australia if you're in america or europe there's there's a thousand more publishers that might want to do your game australia really hard so that's the first hurdle the second one is distribution. So if you went and did it yourself, you went and paid for a thousand copies to be made in China or in Australia, um, you've got a thousand copies. Then you need to distribute them somehow. Now your friendly local gaming store, they're not going to buy 500 copies off you. They, they might buy four or five and it might be on consignment. You're still stuck with 995 copies. <laughs> um, there's two main distributors of board games in Australia and they don't really take games that aren't from major brand names so you're you're really pushing your luck there too um so it, it's just generally pretty hard to get into a store uh for me kickstarter is sort of like a 
like a coming of age sort of thing. You know, you, you've got your, your proof in the purchase. People see your project. They, they commit to it because they like what they see. If you have something good and they like it, they're going to buy it. And if enough people like it, you have something that's worth selling. Um, you know, you could go and publish it yourself, publish a thousand copies yourself, but if only 10 people buy it in that time, mm. It's, it's a it's an outlay. It might not be that good game. Yeah, there's also a strong uh, collectors element associated with Kickstarter as well. The people who will back projects, regardless of what the outcome will be, and how good the game is, just because that's what they do. They go out and they support uh, small business or small des- producers, designers. They want to making see, games. Yeah, yeah, the, and the small guy do well. Yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true. I I do have a bit of an addictive uh, personality when it comes to collecting stuff like that. So I really try and hold myself back and not browse Kickstarter as much as I probably yeah. could. I'm doing exactly the same thing. We often mention my wall of box shame from Kickstarter that we, you know, if we haven't got anything interesting to unbox some at any time, we then we jump one. into that. We all have one. Yeah. But I, I get to say that, oh, I'm going to open it on the podcast. It'll be interesting. But we haven't got there yet. They haven't played half of them. We just open them and go, oh, that looks cool. Let's never play that. And it's a shame. Alex, when you were talking about uh, Game Jam, were you referring to a local Game Jam or a global one that pops up? Was, um... No, it was a local one. I've done the global one as well, um, and I worked with some very, very cool people then. Unfortunately, I was working with people that actually work for a gaming studio, and the products that we made were not allowed to be published or distributed or anything like that because of their contracts. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> How did you find uh, – I mean, what, what did you have to go through to get into that, to even get accepted into the Game Jam process? Did you need to make a oh, submission or was it just a contest No, no, entry? it wasn't that. It was just sort of a, hey, guys, we're doing a game jam, rock up and, yeah, go for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was just there's there's quite a few commitments on uh, on Kickstarter that sort of terrify me. You know, like if I had a game now, you know, it seems I've seen people seemingly well-organized, mm. good game, you know, nice art. They've got everything in place and then they fall down, you know, when it comes to distribution and, and shipping it out or getting it printed or all sorts of things. My Matt's smiling because he knows I'm thinking of one <laughs> game in particular that we've never had in about yeah, four yeah, years. We won't discuss it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it seems like it seems like there's a whole bunch of uh, unseen hurdles out there. Do you, you find that terrifying or have you like really done your homework? Uh, we always try to. Yeah. Um, I can't say it always works out the way you want it to work out. Um, the money that we have raised on Kickstarter has not seen um, any of my bank account or anyone else's <laughs> bank account that yeah. was involved with the project. Um, <laughs> and we did make a decent amount of money last time. But, um, yeah, there are, there are always unseen hurdles and you can try and plan for as many contingencies as possible, but it just might not work out the way you want it to. Mm. What did you learn from the first Kickstarter project to now? Uh, my very, very first one or the one, the brigade? Well, I guess your very first one. And then is there a certain, is there an evolution from that very first game? What did you take away from that one that you took to the brigade? And then what did you take from the brigade to take into this one? Anything? Okay. Um, So from the very first one, I, I think I really undervalued marketing and I probably should have pushed a lot harder 
Um, I did lots of local stuff to, to try and try and get that game moving. And it, it did, you know, it just crossed the, the, the border there. Mm. Um, so when we did Brigade, we ramped up the marketing a lot more. I did a lot more social. Uh, we paid for advertising. We, we really drew in a huge crowd. And the good thing about Kickstarter is it shows you the stats from everything, like the amount of people we pulled in from Facebook um, and posts and the amount of people we pulled in from ads on Facebook, um, the ads on Board Game Geek. Luckily, we had the money to spend uh, because we'd already passed our goal. Any any money past our goal, we could spend on more marketing, which is fantastic. Yeah, very cool. But um, it's just you, you really do have to bring your own crowd. I think it's it's a it's a huge thing. It's a huge project, and if you think you're just going to do it by going, hey, I've got a great game, come and check it out, and showing it to a couple of people at one convention, it's probably just not going to happen. You you really need to get out there. You really need to. Um, social everything yeah. uh try and try and build crowds before you jump on kickstarter and stay dri- and stay driven because there's lots of things that'll say no to you and it's easier to go no okay i'm, I'm i'll give yeah, up then it. so yeah if you, yeah, believe, if you believe in it uh give up uh, get, drive on but um yeah i think taking on board feedback which is something you said seems like you said you've you've done yeah just improves the end product as well Oh, definitely. You have to be open to any and all feedback. Like, even if what they're saying you don't like, there's got to be some underlying factor that um, you really have to consider. Like, uh, I've seen it many times. Someone has said, I don't like this card. Yeah. Uh, that's great. I mean, I can change the card so you like it. But what is it about that card that you don't like? Is it that it's too fast? Is it too powerful? Is it not powerful enough? Do you not like the text? You know, there's got to be something behind them not liking it. And that's that's the thing you have to sort of nail down to improve your game. Is it a bit of a trap though to try and improve the out or the outcome of one aspect for one person, or oh, was yeah. that something that came up repeatedly that it wasn't just one person; it was uh, a frequent comment? Or um... if you're getting frequent comments, there's definitely something wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, yeah, yeah. so I mean, what I guess what I'm saying is. Um, you get if you get your point of criticism from one point about one aspect of the game, is it worth taking that on board and making the change to appease the one no. that one person, or <laughs> do you just file that away? Yeah, and uh, and to then see, just, just wait for the next guy to yeah. say it, or the next person, or the next person, and then I that? guess that's that's the thing. You have to find that that underlying factor. If it's just if it's really surface based stuff it's not going to help you improve anything. And if you if you find that underlying factor and then someone else comments on another part of the game that has the same underlying factor, yeah. that's where the problem is. Yeah. yeah. But you, you hear all sorts of garbage feedback, don't you? It's like, oh, this game's got like, um, oh, I, I, like without naming names or, or products, like there was some feedback on a game. This this game has got too much production, which gives you, implies that it's it's a much more i forgot what the word was you know it was a much more broader game or it was much more intense game and the production oh, yeah, distracted okay. me from that and it's like <laughs> what kind of i love i love i'm the first person to buy a glossy fantastic looking beautiful artwork game and if it's just a yeah like a five to ten minute party game well great it's just like why not you know so this is like such a garbage thing to say Does yeah it, no i know what you mean yeah um i can't say that i've 
like it doesn't happen to me much in playtesting. We have a fantastic playtesting group in Melbourne, yeah. um, and most of the people I interact with are quite useful and quite um, eloquent in, in <laughs> yeah. how they think, so that you understand what's going on. It's like a trust, a trustworthy crowd. Yeah, you can. It is. A, yeah, we've yeah. got a really good community. Um, so I can't say I've encountered many people like that. Hmm. But you're right. There, there will be some people, and you know. Yeah, there's always it, gonna be someone. Uh, That's what I Twitter's guess you have to for. know more about them to understand where what they're trying to put across. And if you don't know much about them, then it might not be taken mm. sure. in the right way. But if on the other hand it was they were a uh, a prominent Bruno Cathala. Bruno Cathala says ah, have you thought about or changing was, this? You know, or it was the man with the hat or something like that. Um nah. <laughs> Then put a bit more weight into what they have to say because they're you know they're really having a look at your game from a different perspective, from a more uh, analytical right. point of view. Mm. So have you, have you got yeah. anything else on the on the back burner now? Then Alex, so you got you're working on new things, or are you just planning for um, 2019 the Damsel's Tale Kickstarter? Get that behind you first. I have an unbelievable amount of projects. On. That's good to hear. Yeah, <laughs> How as many any creative do hear person about? should. Um, uh, myself and a guy called Dale McCanty, we're actually um, close to releasing, and it'll probably be done before the damsels. Actually, we're close to releasing a licensed Phantom board game um, on Kickstarter. So that's as maybe in, coming up at the end of March. As in, he who lives in the jungle, Phantom. Yes. Oh, Phantom! I heard Bantam. Right. I was thinking <laughs> little chickens. <laughs> 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 Wow. Like, Put that one under your hat. But yeah, yeah. a Phantom game. Great. Wow. Yeah. That's that, um, uh, that was, that's a big license and it was a big project and we, we're sort of like we're trying to push it. We've had a couple of um, setbacks, but that involves minis and stuff, which I hadn't really dealt with before. Yeah. So that's been really interesting and fun. Um, and there, I'm also working on, and it's I guess the artwork's being done for it now, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Sans Pants Radio, which is a pretty big podcast network. Um, they do Shut Up a Second and uh, Plumbing the Death Star. Um, very big podcast <laughs> heard, network. I've anyway, we're releasing a game. Yeah. You guys know them? I've heard of Plumbing the Death Star. I didn't wasn't aware of the, of yeah. the network. Yeah. yeah. There's still a lot of podcasts. Oh, yeah. Uh, guy in Melbourne, he's a very intelligent guy. Um, yeah, they've got a whole a plethora of shows. But um, Plumbing the Death Stars, my favourite one. Um, they basically just pull apart things like who does the plumbing on the Death Star and then have a big discussion about it. Oh, yeah. My favourite episode was called How Do Centaurs Work? Um, <laughs> or just Centaurs, I think it's called. It was an amazing episode. It just really makes you think because they, they mention things that you just would not be thinking about. <laughs> um, anyway, they're releasing a board game based on their D&D podcast, their D&D campaign. Yeah. Um, so... They've got one talented guy that runs their campaign. He creates all the characters and storyline and all this. So we've created a board game for them. That's going to be released at some point later on in the year. Um, and we are also currently working on the next big box game from Red Genie Games as well. Cool, cool. Wow, so lots of stuff happening. Yeah, yeah so that, that sounds like very exciting times for Australian board game design, to be honest. Well, at Alex's house, at least. Uh, no, right, at least at Alex's <laughs> place, yeah. 
Is there, is this getting, getting into the nitty gritty now, is there any chance, you might have seen, uh, if you watch any of our stuff, we always pull apart the box uh, to look for the Easter egg beneath, you know, like the inner, the inner holder <laughs> that holds the cards into place and all that sort of stuff. We yeah. always pull that out looking for that Easter egg in there. Is there, is there any chance you yeah. could drop something in there as a tip of the hat to the, the seven land hand <laughs> Easter egg, even if it's... We didn't put anything in here, guys, yeah, or yeah. something. I reckon that would be some comedy ready to happen there for the price of a little bit of ink. I think you guys mentioned having the Seven Land Hand logo. Was that no, the that'd be, of the box? That would be awesome. That was, yeah. <laughs> Seven Land Hand yeah, Easter sure Egg. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I'll copyright. See, I'll see what I can do. Maybe I can put it on a page of the rule book or something. I mean, Ooh. it is about a dragon. <laughs> yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, the, the biggest and most important question that we always uh, finish off all our interviews with is how do you stack your games? Uh, you know, like we've all got our own little ways of, of storing the games. Sometimes they get spread out across the house. Sometimes they're perfectly in order, in alphabetical order, chronological order, color order. Rainbow color order. There's always yeah. all sorts of mad, mad ways people have told us over the years. Uh, what do you go for? Well, Alex? well <laughs> I... <laughs> I um I just built this very strange looking and it looks very very uh, prototypey or amateurish. Just built this holder for board games. Um, it, it's basically a, a, a square of wood MDF on the ground yeah. and four arms that go straight up. Yeah, but two of them are on hinges, Ooh. and uh, you can stack about ten games in them. And then at the top, they strap together and it's lined with foam, right? And it holds them all in place because I've run a couple of board game events during the month. So I have to always move my games around. Yeah. And I was sick of putting them sideways in boxes because they would just come apart and all the pieces fall out. Yeah. So I had to this annoying thing to stack them all properly. This sounds like an Instagram channel all of its own. (laughs) This is like you could just... You should just put you should just put that out there and then just go 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 kickstart the damsel's tail by the way. <laughs> it's like, you know, look at this interesting thing, damsel's tail out in April 2019. The contraption actually works really really well and it was easy to carry and it like it tied up really nicely and it because of the foam it didn't matter what size the boxes were it held them all in place so there was no pressure from like one box to the box underneath. Right. So it just sort of like squishes them sideways. And it, it, it's actually really good. So I'm just going to make a really nice-looking version instead of my really shitty-looking version, and I'll be set. Oh, can so we basically, please... I've got <laughs> can we one please pile have a photo of, of that? Game game <laughs> and one pile of, like, uh, sort of gateway games, yeah. and they're the two piles I bring. Do you have Gloomhaven yet? I do not have oh, Gloomhaven. I, am, <laughs> I, I can't bring myself to invest that amount of money. Oh, that that's a problem all to, to itself, how to store that. That takes up a huge amount of space. But it's well worth it, though. If you want. I, I do have a very large out. Dominion set. Ah, we should have Aaron here. Yeah. Aaron loves Dominion. He's, that's, that's, his main, that's his main game. He still says it's one of the best deck yeah. builders that there is. But it just looks a bit dated now, so people kind of shy away from it, you know, for something more glossy, that's, perhaps. Yeah, I understand that. And to be honest, I don't like playing it with more than three people. So three is my maximum that I'll play that with. Yeah, but right. um, I, I use one of those um, big magic boxes that they usually like keep all their land or their commons in. Yeah. And it's got all, all my Dominion stuff. 
alphabet alphabetized with little uh, (laughs) card dividers. Yeah, 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 card dividers, but they're all labeled. So if I need to find like miners, I go to M M I, and then I can find miner. <laughs> yeah, wow, this is the best. Is the best uh, best Hattie story board games uh, answer yet? Yeah, it is. At least the Damsel's Tale is not going to require something so sophisticated. No, no. it'll just Definitely be a slipcase. You can you can hide it on the bookshelf. Pretend yeah, it's like an oldie worldy book. Yeah. I'll look at my collection of antique books. Just don't get too close. Though, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, and then yeah, what was it? Well, was, you guys were talking about some sort of uh, um, spoiler secret that there was, you know. Oh, I think that was it. Already got broken. The alternate characters, and oh. the, yeah, it was alternate characters. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, actually, I can give you another one if you want. Oh, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> On the reverse side of the board, so um, you guys played with the board. I yeah. want to, I want to double the size of that board, by the way. Um, you guys played on the board that had one track going from the cave entrance to the crown. Yeah. On the reverse side of the board is going to be the three player version and there will be two knights and one dragon and a slight change in the cards. So um, some of the dragon's cards will have to specify if both knights are hidden, if one knight is hidden and one knight is in the open um, and the knights will be the same. And basically if you can imagine these two knights are trying to get to the crown, but they're sort of jostling each other out of the way and they can sort of push the other knight out of their <laughs> hiding spot and jump in them in the hiding spot themselves sort of thing. Wow. So like the idea of that. Yeah. 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 That's quite, so it will be a two or three play game. Sounds awesome. very cool. That's immediately adding value right there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> all right well alex is there anything so, so what we're looking for kickstarter for this is is there a, a solid date for it yet or is it still around about it should be it should be in april um yeah. we are we're launching a um, kickstarter doing an rpg zine thing so we're doing a, a very small kickstarter um purely based uh in the vague world and it's one of the original writer of the brigade so he wrote all the descriptions for the buildings he um, has sort of written a supplement up, uh, RPG booklet, and we're releasing that on Kickstarter. And then straight after that, will be Denzel's Tale. Cool. Okay. What system are you able to say? What system that's for, or anything you like? I don't know much about RPGs, <laughs> so I cannot tell you the yeah. system. That's all right. There's only one. I can tell you. I did a little drawings for it, and I read all the stories, and they're all funny, and the characters he's made, and the world that he's created is awesome. Um, so I've read it, read all the stories. It's more of a supplement. I don't know if it's actually a system, but it's sort of like storylines and, and characters and things like that. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Alex. Um, we'll uh, we'll uh, probably uh, break now, and we'll go. We'll come back, and we'll uh, talk through the talk through the game, tell people how it's played, and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll see you for your next project. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right, that was good. Good yeah. chats. Good it was, chats. It was, good chats. Uh, it was really good to to actually get back and talk to a designer, developer. You know, we haven't done that for a while. So, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, well, we just haven't trusted the the technology. We don't want to be calling up someone like Alex, wasting his time, and it all just falling in a heap. Uh, but now I think we can uh, be a bit more trusting. And uh, yeah, it was a good interview. I Ta- time to call Southern France. 
shout back to the Game of the Month uh, freebie giveaway, Kork Harkazone, uh, and uh, see if Bruno Cathal wants to chat to us again. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously uh, with Damsel's Tale being a game that's about to come out, we couldn't make that a Game of the Month giveaway 10% off sort of deal. Um, so that's why Carcassonne is, yeah. is up for grabs. But it's a classic game, so you can get in on that. That's it. All right, so the Damsel's Tale. Matt, what is the narrative behind this particular tale? Without going into the, the storybook, which is... For those who will buy it, they'll yeah. get will get into that bit. You heard um, a lot of it in the interview, yeah, actually. You did. Alex covered a lot of it, but basically, uh, the Ivan Ivan the the knight mm. is trying to uh, restore his family's wealth by raiding a dragon's uh, lair. lair for money. Yeah. Uh, so That's I think not, he's, not an easy. The interesting task. thing I got was that he's not actually after the crown for himself, he's being paid to go and pinch the he's, crown. He's go, oh, he's just going to go and like yeah. hock it off. He's doing a job. He's, do, yeah. he's, on the, he's yeah. doing a job. Yeah. So, and of course, it's being uh, looked after by a little baby dragon and a mama dragon who's off. And uh, so yeah. this is the, the game is the story of how of Ivan raiding the lair, the baby dragon getting all scared and stuff and the Calling mama dragon out to mom, trying to fly. Raising her alarm. Raising the, the, the awareness of her mother. Yeah. So yeah, it's an uphill battle for the knight. You know, you, you go to a dragon's lair. It's not someone. Where I'd, you know, if it was real life and there were knights and dragons, who would you rather be? I'll be the dragon. Thank you very much. Unless you know, I was wearing a fair amount of asbestos. I'd still be the dragon. Yeah. Have you seen it when someone get like they get immolated on like Game of Thrones or a magic card? Yeah, it's pretty. It's cool. Never the dragon getting. <laughs> nah, that's not. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so on the on the table in front of you, what you get is a uh, well. We looked at the prototype. Yeah. So um, what you get is a uh, well. You get a lovely box, don't you? Like it looks oldy yes. worldy style. Yep. Um, book. Be right at home amongst your book collection. Yeah, mm. and you flip that open, and inside the one we had was a uh, like an A five sort of sized board that yep. flipped open, but it's a different sort of size to that. But Alex was saying that it's, uh, that it's going to be like larger than that. Yeah. I didn't even mind the cute size. No, I thought board. that it's that perfectly kind of, appropriate. It's pretty cool. Um, we have seen pictures of meeples that are in the shape of the dragon, the They're big dragon. They're in the rule book itself too, so I'm guessing yeah, that could be a stretch that goal could be there. something. We should have asked about that. Yeah. Oh, interview <laughs> skills are down, you know. See, we walk away from it for a while. That's we miss the important stuff. Uh, at the moment, there were cubes, and that was fine, but meeples would be cool. There's, I can't they believe did I just say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there also there's a, a deck of cards for the dragon. There's a deck of cards for the mama dragon, a deck of cards for the knight, yeah. and a deck of cards for the baby dragon. So yeah, everyone gets baby dragon play, twice. Yeah. Didn't I say the mama dragon? I thought I said the mama dragon. dragon, baby dragon, knight. Yeah. So three decks. There you go. Yeah, cool. And that's that's about it for the contents of the box, isn't yep, it? Really, it. Pretty much. The uh, rule book itself is only a few pages in, in length. The yeah, actual it, rules. However, there's the story at the end And of it, it doesn't take you long to get. I mean, when Alex was saying it's four pages long, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a tiny book. Uh, so yeah. it's like four pages of that. It does not take you long to no. get the hang of this. You know, that's like if, if you watch the video that we did, you can see that there's a how the, how the board's laid out. You know, there's a, a symbol for being hidden. Yeah. There's a symbol for um, noise. And, and then it's just the being open. out in the open. And then the dragon track is pretty much the same. And yep. the alert meter. It's all very intuitive, isn't it? It's like yeah. pretty, pretty straightforward. I think after the first couple of times we played, we then didn't have to refer to any rules. It was actually quite very, yeah. like I said, intuitive. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, although that was the thing that we sort of had was um, it, it's not high strategy, so you don't have to really blow your mind to be able mm. to play. You can sit down and, and have a game of this with someone relatively in short time. Yeah, yeah. We, we managed to 
play from opposite perspectives. Uh, yeah, so, numerous yeah, times. A couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Um, okay, so yeah, so how does it generally play through, Matt? Like, what happens? So each uh, each of the players have their own the deck. So uh, I, the, as the knight, I have mine. As the uh, baby dragon, you have yours. Yeah. Uh, you immediately shuffle them up draw two cards, put them aside. Yeah. So those are not appearing for this round. And that's just to mystify the opponent a little bit yeah. so they don't know exactly what cards you've got. There's that's two it. cards that they're not going to be playing that round. It also sets the length of the round. So yeah. it's after so that's only four, four turns. Yeah. Uh, so, and then we begin playing in opposition. So the uh, it's, it's initiative-based. So on each of the cards, there's a little initiative score. Yeah. And whoever has the lower initiative... Goes first. first. Yeah. yeah, which is very cool because you can, um, you know, if you really feel like you want to influence the play or you feel like the person is going to be doing something you don't want them to do, mm. you can go for a lower initiative card as long as it sort of plays in the strategy of what you want to have want to do to them. Yeah. And uh, you know, as a dragon, you're you can nudge the drag the, the knight back to the nearest hiding spot. Yeah. You can push him forward one. You can influence how much the dragon moves. Uh, you can shuffle dragon cards back into the dragon deck. Now, the mother dragon deck is pretty much just how far she moves. That's right. It's like one, two, or three, and there's two of each of of those cards. Yep, that's it. And so they're randomly drawn off the top of the deck. And Mm. you don't play all the way through. You get to the last one, and then you shuffle the cards back in. But there's also cards in the knight's deck that allow the knight to shuffle those cards back into that deck. So... Uh, which I guess improves the chances. Yeah, I don't know math side of things, but but yeah. basically what you're trying to do is when you're if you're the knight, you want to maybe stall the dragon for as long as you can. Mm. But then if the dra- mother dragon is within reach of reaching this uh, lookout which is point, the last space on the layer track, last yeah. space on the layer track, um, if she's within the reach of that, you might want to strategically ensure that you'll be hidden because if she gets to the end of her track, she looks out and she goes to the baby dragon, what are you all shouting about? And if the knight's hidden, she just gets pissed off and goes back to the track, beginning of the track again. You start again. (laughs) So you can reset. She's a cranky, get to bed. You can reset the mother dragon's efforts and it all starts all over again. But if she sees you from that point and you're the knight and you're out in the open, it's all Mm, over. That's it. And the interesting part was the distance between the hidden spots gradually gets further and further yeah. apart towards yeah. the crown. Something so. like four, four, eight, yeah. eight, something like that. Four, yeah. Something, something like that. That's the sum of the components. That last one is brutal. You look yeah. at it and you're going, Ooh. how the hell am I going to get there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You need some- it's been a hell of a ride just trying to get that far. That's why we asked Alex about, which it, it, there's, we found that it was more of a challenge to be the knight yeah, and, and to definitely. play. Um, what do we do? I, like we goldfish bowled one where I just played blind as the dragon just played any card mm. and I still beat the knight. But yeah. this is this was earlier earlier days and um like Alex has said that they've uh, they've looked at that and um and made it a bit more like 45-55 split yeah. and also um that that thing about like the, the characters makes it sound really interesting as well. Yeah, I guess so that's jumping and the, ahead a bit to expansion. And the three players. Yeah. Is so it going to be expensive? Really expensive. I don't know. It's, it's a variant within it's, the game. Yeah, so, it's going to be the, yeah, the game. So, the, the flipboard for two-player game. Three-player yeah. game. Yeah, three so player you're game. saying three-player. So mm. there we go. So that that already that opens up new opportunities, That even yeah. what we saw. So that's very exciting, I think. Yeah. Look, it's 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 a it's beautiful-looking thing. Sanitra Thompson did a great job with uh, with all that. It's, it's, it was amazing to hear that um, he had to talk her into doing it because I think yeah. he knew that he was on a good thing when um, 
when he saw what Arj she'd previously done. I say it's a she, so I think I'm imagining. <laughs> uh, I I like the that connection between the brigade, and it certainly came up. That, that yeah, what was it's it It's all about? within the same. I don't know anything the about the brigade. You... So it's a fantasy world, right? Mm. Uh, you can imagine, and so the brigade, a fantasy fire brigade, putting out fires in the town. It's, it's called Tinderbox, so it's gonna go. Pfft, oh yeah, up in smoke. Gotcha. Uh, so what, what? And he alluded to Ivan being a character from. The brigade, one of the firefighters, and the madam character who's in the who as one of the focal characters of the story is also one of the characters in the brigade. So mm. uh, it's constant feeding back into the lore of of that actual game. So I think, in a sense, that's going to create this cohesiveness. So if you play any of the other games that are going to be set in the world potentially, yeah, then you've got this whole unified you get the barmaid's setting. tale and the trader's yeah. tale as the other. The other yeah. two of the Tinderbox trilogy. So, I, th- I think that creates a good cohesiveness. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, so there, obviously there aren't any expansions, but um, at the moment it's just more of them just like landing the um, the stretch goals. The, the stretch goals, yeah. Making this. I'm re- really keen to see what what there is in that as well. Yeah. Um, well, we won't have to wait really that long either. If it's going no, to be slated for now. April. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So wait, not long. Yeah. Good stuff. So. Yeah. Who would you who would you play this game with, man? Oh, look, I, I think you could easily play with this. I, I, you could easily play this with uh, seven, eight year old, yeah, early yeah kids. I think I'd get Cam into this quite easily. He loves the idea of being a dragon, uh, mm. and uh, and the, and like we mentioned, the artwork is playful enough, and it, you know it's not overwhelming. It doesn't mm. take itself too seriously. It's no. it's a fun. This you you sit down and have fun here, you know. It's not like uh, it's a, a hardcore, you know, battle of chess or something. You know, yeah, where one it. of us is going to be like a mastermind, the other person's going to be scum after losing. <laughs> it's you know, it's it's lighthearted. It's it's a bit of a laugh, isn't no. it? You know, like in, in the theme of it is a, it's a bit of a laugh. Yeah, and what he also said uh, about uh, making you know, winning as the dragon becomes this matter of pride. Uh, sorry, being beaten by the dragon, a matter of pride where you want to as the knight. You want to beat the dragon, so you immediately turn around and say, "Yeah, let's go again." Hmm. You know, and it sounds, lose. It sounds let's like go he's, again. He's, he's done a lot of work on the balance of that. Yeah. We've got to remember we were playing with the prototype yeah, version right. when we when we grabbed it, and um, yeah, it's it's it was that was that was great to have, and uh, it's it's always good. You know, if there's uh, other other games coming mm. out that you want to send it in, we'll have a look at it. That was yeah, it's yeah, always I like, think it's like, a service we offer now. Isn't it's it? a it's a great privilege to be able to have a look at these <laughs> games before they come out, and it's and it's easy done. We know, and it's 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 such a uh, you can tell Axe has put a lot of lot of work into this, and yeah. it's it's a it's a pride project over several years. Yeah, so there's sure. a lot of lot of effort going in this. Our of course our unboxing and then subsequent playthrough. That you know, if you want a good idea of how to play it, actually see how to play, you can go and check that out. Yeah, uh, that's uh, linked up to Board Game Geek now, so it's actually on the page of. Cool, the so you can see it, and yeah. it's on YouTube.com forward yeah. slash Seven Line Hand. Uh, so yeah, you can get it all. All right, well, all the best to Alex and the guys, and I uh, yeah. hope the hope the Kickstarter goes really well for them. And um, yeah, follow it, and as all those board game collectors out there, you know who you are. Uh, have a good look at it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. the the damsel's tale. See what you think, and uh, yeah, jump on board. Support a local Australian uh, games designer. Yeah, or if you're overseas, an exotic international games designer. <laughs> yeah, Red Genie Games. All right. Uh, we'll be right back after this. 
to Twos. Ah, oh, proper news here, Matt. Uh, I hear you've got some um, developments in the Time Stories camp. It, yes, it does indeed concern my favourite white box. Yeah, and uh, you're a big white box fan. The Time Stories, as we currently know it, yeah, is coming to an end. Really? Uh, there's one more expansion scenario to come out, and that's called Time Stories Madam. Yeah, set in uh, France, around right. about uh, like a brothel, Madam. A daff. Or Madame. Madame, maybe. Could go Um, either way, really. But, uh, yeah, so that series, after that one, uh, that series has been concluded. However, it is returning in a different format uh, in what they're dubbing the Blue Box series. Oh, you you won't like that one as much. Well, Well, I think it's still mostly white. Mostly white. But it has had faint blue tinge. Blue tinge. But they're uh, rather... So... The original Time Stories is all very reliant on having the core box, okay? So yeah. you plug in a scenario. That was the whole thing. That was yeah. its thing. And I like uh, the idea that people could make up uh, new yeah. stories and pitch them and then they'd be made. I, I don't know how many of those actually yeah, made it. Yeah, it's not obviously that many. I'm not sure. Mm. Or maybe they've saved them up for what's coming next. Yeah. So they're re... they're resetting it in a sense. They're not resetting it, actually. They're advancing the story... Uh, so it takes place after the overarching plot that's happening around time stories. So there, right. is, a, there is an actual story that, yeah. that's deeper than the scenarios, right? Yeah. Uh, it's the continuing saga. So the new series, which I think the first one comes out in 2020, uh, has uh, a one in. So you can buy the scenario and that's all you need. All right, so there's definitely yeah. there's a no. You don't have to play them in sequence. You buy it, uh, you play you it. You buy it, you play it. You don't need to have a core set to okay. run it or anything right. like that. Which I don't know how I quite feel about that because I like the I like the VCR. Yeah. Time story. Plug in the new cassette. Yeah, that's press play. It. Off you go. Mm. I, I quite like that, but um, so it remains to be seen how it's except change, Matt. Except there change. is a lot of excitement for it, and yeah. it certainly it seems like. They're going to stay with their commitment of producing um, one set or one ex- one well, scenario they said every quarter. That's what they said they were going to do, they but they never it didn't did happen. that. No. So maybe they'll get to it this time around. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. It's quite exciting. I quite like the series. I've now got all of them except one. So the, the new one that's coming out. So uh, yeah, I'm. It's the only thing that I really feel like I need to be a completionist in, to be honest. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, well, welcome to the club. So that's so uh, yeah. Check it out when mm. it comes out. Hey, last month we did Dixit, mm. and there was a draw for Dixit, and there was a winner. There was for uh, last month's game of the month, which was Dixit. I have the name in front of me. Do you? Are you interested? I'm interested in finding out who Anyone else is interested? Oh, I believe so. Do you there'll think be, the winner will be interested? There'll be about 72 people that'll be interested to find <laughs> out who, which one of them had won. Well, who, who was it? <laughs> the winner oh, was... Oh, I should say, before we start, it was an interesting month, wasn't it? Because instead of writing a comment, because it was Dixon mm. and there was pictures, uh, it was... Um, it was a uh, a, uh, Yeah, I'm going with GIF. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be Jif because the guy who invented them said it's Jif. Was, it, he, was can, he from New Zealand? Was his name Jif? He can stick them up his rear end because it's, <laughs> if it's graphical interface format or something like that, G- it's G- 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 And Jif is a cleaner. So, no, 
We're taking it back. It's a GIF. GIF is my uncle from Christchurch. All right. Don't upset our New Zealand hey, listeners. My cousins. I love from everybody. New I love everybody in New Zealand. <laughs> uh, good friends of our, the show. Uh, anyway, uh, so we can't read out the winner's comment, but who was it? It was a chap. Chap by oh, the name it? of yeah. Philip Norris, who is a Perth local. I know him. You do? Yeah, he's a great guy. Oh, okay. Very deserving. Oh, that sounds he's very um, nepotism this yeah. No, not at then. all. Not at okay. all. Not at all. Because, um, oh, well, well it's, it's out of our hands. So, yeah. oh, so Philip, congratulations, Philip. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a, what confused me at first, it's, he's an American, right? Right. But he's living here in Australia. So, he's an yeah. American in Perth, West Australia. Yeah. That's how the song would go. <laughs> uh, what was his gif? He he chose uh, which is really if you know the the movie, uh, the Warriors. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Uh, it was come out and play, yay. <laughs> and right. they got a picture of him driving a car and uh, or, or a kid, a kid in one of those cars. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like and that's kind of that's, oh, that's yeah, him. Yeah. He's an avid gamer, and, and yeah, I think that pretty much sums him up. All right, cool. Well. Well, I'd like to give notable mentions to the non-winners, uh, such as Melissa Lacornu Brown, which is a cracking name. I like that. Uh, she just had a picture of oh crap! I should have looked up. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Ben it's Stiller. Ben Stiller from Dodgeball. Dodgeball. Yeah, I see He's it. going. You ready for the hurricane? <laughs> and that's to make me laugh. And then, even though I think Sybil Nash won the game last month. She's not winning it this month, by the way. Um, she just did one from Black Books, and that's great. Anytime, because I love Black Books. She's almost read my soul there. Yeah. Daniel, and this, these are three in a row on my phone. I'm just going down. Daniel's got in there. Daniel from uh, both, both Worlds Studios or Music School. I always get it yeah, wrong. Music School. Both Worlds Music School. Um, yeah, he posted a, a, a take from um, Spike Tap, which also <laughs> makes me laugh every time. It's, it's just fantastic. Uh, if you've never seen Spinal Tap, tune in. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. So that was a bit different. So don't expect something the same for No, we'll for make it month. harder this month. Because yeah. Car- we're giving away Carcassonne. So. Carcassonne. Uh, so what would we do for that? Just... Show, show us, us your best French bikini. Show us the best castle. A photograph of the best castle that you have ever built is, I think, what it should be. Sandcastle contest. Name your favorite Sevenland Hand episode and why. That'll get rid of all of those. <laughs> you know, people that just come in and go all here. The comment. Yeah, all the pretenders that don't even know what the show's about. <laughs> That'll get rid of them. They'll just go, uh, 268. Uh, the one where Matt does. A really good maths quiz. Well, no, it's all. Show us photos of your favourite World War One French battlefield. Is it bleak? No, it's Carcassonne. Ugh. Anyway, uh, please comment on any of our Facebook posts. Uh, get involved in the discussion. God, now we're everywhere. Twitch TV, uh, YouTube, yep. uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. But if you... If you Get involved and uh, get, you know, I really like the community to interact with each other and have a chat and have a laugh together. Um, I found a secret stash of badges. You badger did, didn't badges, you? yeah. All right, so the badger badges are available. So if, if we read your comment or interact with you on the show, uh, we'll send you one of our badges. Just uh, get in touch with us at podcast, oh, podcast at sevenlinehand.com and um, say, hey, you talked about me in the last episode. Mm. And we'll go, we yeah, did. Yeah, we I sure remember, did. I remember saying that because. 
that's your name that you've written to and us. And then also with. say we said a hell of a lot more off air. Yeah, don't just send us an email from like horny stuff at hotmail.com and go, you mentioned me. You, you're going to need to say what your actual real name is, horny stuff. <laughs> you got to prove it. Yeah. Uh, you didn't, well, you don't have to prove it, but yeah, ID check as you come in through the front door. Anyway, next fortnight, I imagine I'll be here with a couple of magic nerds, hyper magic nerds. Mm. Uh, and we'll be talking war spoilers. That's War of the Spark, Matt. Apparently there's gonna oh, be, is that what that stands for? Yeah, apparently there's going to be planeswalkers everywhere. Oh, this is this is our premonitions. Right. That there's going to be... Is Aaron going to be playing his pipe? Uh, no, no, this is just general chat premonitions. I think oh. I'll jump ahead of him for that sort of stuff. <laughs> we think it's going to be either um, some sort of terrible Dragon Maze uh, rehash where they try to do 10 guilds all at once, which was a terrible disaster during Dragon's Maze, or they're going to have a thing where, as the trailer sort of alludes to, mm. there are lots of, there's this, they're circling around a church, there's lots of stained glass windows, and the planeswalkers everywhere. And it's called War of the Spark. So you imagine there's got to be planeswalkers fighting off of each other. Yeah. So how do you get the new players in? You have a shitload of planeswalkers. Planeswalker in every pack. And have them die. Yeah, battling it out. So... Yeah, that'll probably be in the story. They might get rid of the the, the guild pack maybe eventually. But anyway, I'm preluding our next episode. Yeah, don't steal Aaron's thunder. No. Um, but by then there'll be more spoilers coming out and we'll be getting stuck right into that. We've got lots of plans for the new set yeah. uh, and resources we might be able to put together as a team. Uh, whether that happens this set or next set, I don't know. But um, keep your eye, eyes and ears open. Um, and we do know what our next game is. Oh, well. do we? Dragon Castle. Oh, Dragon Castle, yeah. Dragon Castle. Yeah, we know, <laughs> you know that. Yeah, We've already done sure. the unboxing for that. We did, so, yeah. So, oh, good. Job's half done. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll put our feet up and play Dragon Castle. Yeah. Uh, what is it? The Mahjong of 2019. That's it. We're going to play 2019 Mahjong. All right. Uh, well, we'll be back in That'd a month lots of money. with that. All right. Uh, anything else to add? Um, not a great deal. I'm going to attempt to do a bit of painting. Uh, try and get back into that. I haven't. It's been too hot to do. Where's painting. the Where's the Seven Lane Hand painting team? That's pictures? what I mean. It's been too hot. The conditions <laughs> have been really horrible for to paint in. Okay. Um, you know, G Dub paints. Sorry, G Dub, but the heat does not do your paints service. It kind of clogs them up a bit. And I mean, yeah. shouldn't leave the cap off. Just scoop a bit out, put it oh. down, paint from that. So aren't they like water paints though? Are you supposed to then like wait till they go dry? Then you mix them with a little bit of water and. No, I do that. I get a toothpick, I scoop it out, put it into the tray, and I add some water just to water it down a bit, and then I paint off of that. And my pot is closed, and I keep my pot in a, you know, in a, a heat-proof environment, like an old fridge or yeah. an esky, something like that. Well, see, that's where I've been going wrong because yeah. I've been leaving my pots open, waiting for them to go dry, adding a bit of water, and making sure I was in a heat, a heated environment. You've been doing the other, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got their own way of doing it. No, it's just been the conditions have just been too hot to paint where I usually paint, and it's kind of slowed me down a bit. Uh, Well, speed up. All right, that's it. Good night, everyone. (laughs) Good night. Winter is coming.